Celebrating summer. 567 Cape Talk. Your number one news and talk station. Rob Rose is the editor of Business Times. And no doubt this week you will be paying tribute in Business Times to the formidable leadership and the great success of Graham Mackay in taking SAB Miller and making it South Africa's most global company, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fantastic story that you look at the SAB now compared to what it was 20 years ago. And it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a, I suppose, a, a tale of how a company, a South African company, could could become international and basically just put itself on the global map. It's, it's a fantastic story. I've seen some amazing um, stories written about the growth of that company from, you know, from essentially what was just a small little, it could have been any, you know, mom and pop company in the JSE and now it's this international mega brand, second biggest brewer in the world. Most certainly is. I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage of it this weekend. But what we're doing now is looking back at the year that has been 2013 and some of the biggest business stories of the year. Um, just chatted to Mohammed Nala at Nedbank Capital and it's the, the biggest non-story of the year has got to be the tapering story. We've sat on tenterhooks waiting for tapering to happen it hasn't happened and it probably won't happen tonight either can we get tapering over and done with please i'd love to it's got to be the most boring story around it's just, it just <laughs> saps news space and you, and you read stories about it and you just think why am i reading this story it's so dull and yet at the same time so many analysts seem to think it's so important and i suppose it is so important um but you read you know alternative views that says well actually tapering isn't going to be this the be all and end all for south africa anyway it's not as if once they decide yes we're going to go full stream into tapering that's going to be this massive outflow of investment which is what a lot of guys fear in this country it's gone for, it'll go from 85 it'll go to 83 or 80 or 78 exactly. i'd like and to believe it's a non-story i'd like yeah. to believe all stories are particularly boring and non-stories absolutely and i'm hoping this is a big non-story too we're, we're on it the big story that's been a, a considerable story and it's uh, hurt a lot of empowerment shareholders it's taken a business that bought a furniture retailer when it shouldn't have to the very brink i suspect it had a big rights issue this year and that is african bank under the legendary leon kokina somebody mm. who's been running that business for the last 20 years it's quite a sad story i think in a way because you know a lot of people were warning last year that that the there'd be a crunch in in microcredit that the you know eventually that would have to come crashing down because the levels of growth in companies like capitec and african bank was immense over the last couple of years um, but now African Bank just completely cr- crashed. I mean, the share price is down 50-something percent. It's now 11 rand odd or whatever it is now. Down another 4% today, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's just a, it's a tragic story of a destruction of value. Um, and that company, I think the first misstep was buying Ellerines, which was a terrible business. Why would you buy into a furniture <laughs> retailer, a credit retailer? It's, it's, a, it's a horrid business. I, I, I remember the day that Leon Kikinis bought the business and he said he was so flattered to receive a call from Eric Ellerine, um, one of the founders, Eric in Sydney, mm. the late Sydney Ellerine. Lorraine founded the Ellerin's business, and Eric gave him a call to congratulate him on doing a great deal. I would have smelt a rat right there at that particular exactly. well point. Well done. Thanks for buying us out. <laughs> well, no, he brought Peter Squires out, but uh, he was the chief executive at the time. Um, at Cockingham, that's a running story. There was another uh, meeting today, another postponement today. This is the Chilean company, CFR, that wants to buy Ad Cockingham. Brian Joffe has got his oar in the water on this particular one. The Public Investment Corporation is sticking its nose into it and saying, you know, we don't want the foreigners to own this particular company. This is a crucially important South African investment story. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of drama in it, which I think is, you know, obviously how this pans out will have a huge impact on our investment environment. We have the issue of hostile takeovers. When Brian Joffe first waded in in March, he lodged a bid for 60 rand or so, I think, per share. And um, and the board said, of Adcock Ingram said, we won't support you on this deal. Um, and this is because Brian Joffe was widely thought to have wanted to get rid of the board for underperforming for so many years. Um, Bernard Swanepoel, the former head of Harmony, um, who, who himself was stifled in a, in a hostile takeover, 
um, wrote this fascinating uh, opinion piece about basically how management who've underperformed for years can stifle a hostile takeover, can stop true shareholder democracy. So I suppose whether Brian Joffe gets his hands on this company um, <clears throat> and whether the CFR guys, who the guys who the board clearly wants to, t- wants to take charge, I mean, the, the future of that company says a lot about where we are as a country, but it also says a lot about the public investment corporation, which is a state-owned manager of government pensions. Is it an objective owner of, of assets or is it a tool for a nefarious purpose? Well, that's the thing. It's very enigmatic. I mean, how it makes its decisions as probably the biggest shareholder of, of most companies mm-hmm. um, is, is something that's completely inscrutable. And I think that the PIC should at least be answerable. I mean, it's not as if they're just managing their own money. They're managing government employees' pension funds. They should be answerable to the people, at the very least, the people whose money they manage. Well, do the people whose money they manage really care? Um, well, is the point. I mean, you're only as answerable as you are to a constituency that cares about where the money is going. That's true. But in this case, the conspiracy theory, or like one of the theories, I suppose, rather than using the words conspiracy theory, is that they just don't like a foreign company owning a South African asset, which is at Cockingrove. But that flies in the face of everything that Pravin Gordon will tell us about the importance of foreign direct investment. It flies in the face of um, the the public rhetoric, anyway. Well, absolutely. What what CFR said this week in this in the public adverts they put out is why would why would um, you know the public investment corporation now support you know now, now be against the bid from the Chileans at seventy odd rand per share when they're willing to support Brian Joffe at around sixty something rand a share. It, it seems to be a very odd thing, and and the PRC in the past has been thought to have been anti-foreign investment, anti-foreign ownership of our assets. Mm. Um, but I do think that ultimately it should be a case of them doing the right thing for the shareholders of the company, and that's not always the case. Uh, a big story that's been very big uh, in the closing days of 2012 all the way through 2013, and no doubt will go huge into 2014, is the standoff between trade unions and big business. We see the big NUMSA Congress right now with all the sabre rattling and the threats to ba- break away from the tripartite alliance, which is not going to happen just yet, I don't think. But certainly the trade union story big and likely to get bigger ahead of elections. Yeah, I certainly think the trade union story is is a is a fascinating you know state of the nation really in terms of where we are i mean people say in in, in the corporate sector that the trade unions have far too much power and that they're essentially hijacking business by striking at a whim essentially we saw the bmw case earlier this year where bmw essentially said they're not going to build a new factory absolutely in this country because of this so i think government needs to take some leadership and 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 sort out the position take some leadership certainly at nedlac which seems to be a completely uh, useless organization at the moment. Um, I thought actually, I was the only one who said that publicly. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, that's two of us. We, yeah, we're journalists. Together well. we could take on the world. The biggest mystery this year, probably the most mysterious, and I'm looking forward to a Rob Rose book on this. Incidentally, how's, how's your book into the, the lovely Barry, Barry Tannenbaum selling? That's oh, great. It's great. I've had no word from Barry, so I'm sure it's doing well. Doing well. Put it in your Christmas <laughs> stocking list as uh, one of the great South African business reads of 2013, and it's Rob Rose's book on uh, Barry Tannenbaum. The title escapes me. The Grand the, Scam. The Grand Scam. Uh, it is the story of the lovely Barry Tannenbaum and the money he stole from um, head honchos of big businesses and ordinary people as well. People had their lives ruined by the charming Mr. Tannenbaum. The, the, of Tannenbaum-esque proportions is First Tech and the bizarre story of the founder of First Tech found with a bullet in the back of his head lying on a cold winter's morning next to his Bentley and Soweto. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating story. In fact, it's Kebelesque in a way. It I suppose does, so, yeah. It does strike you as mm. sort of Kebelesque. I mean, the guy had 
immense debts. His company had immense debts that he racked up partly by double dipping the sureties, so signing over that, you know, saying you can take this mine as our surety on this loan to to Bank A, and saying the same thing to Bank B. And without them knowing about it, so it was a, it was a house of cards that was bound to implode. The first corporate bond failure in South African history. Nine hundred and twenty-five million. It's an immense amount. Very of nearly a billion rand bond failure. Yeah. So it hit the bond market, make, made bond owners very very cross. And banks, of course, were writing off to the tune of two hundred, two hundred and fifty, three hundred million rand each. And how does a guy like Jeff Wiggle, the guy who was killed with no discernible history? Um, who was clearly just defrauding a whole lot of people, ostensibly, that's what the evidence seems to suggest, get such immense loans from the banks, get such immense investment from from the banks, from the likes of the IDC. Um, and, and it's a fascinating story. I mean, was this guy even killed? I mean, there's been some... There's some, some really speculation that he's alive like and that. well and living in Israel <laughs> somewhere. I think that's the, the that's the wildest one I've heard about Jeff Wiggle because his face, there weren't any facial features left. Yes, exactly. Um, I've heard the was, same thing about Kebble, but that clearly was not... No, I think that one was pretty clear. Rob Rose, looking back at the big stories of 2013, before I let you go, what was your first job? Um, it was a terrible job. I, I Basically, I was about 12 years old, and I had to act as a Father Christmas at Furniture City, and it was terribly tedious. So You I acted a, as Father Christmas <coughs> at Furniture City at the age of 12. The thing is, my deep voice gives me a natural bent for that. No, but that's but, what I thought um, immediately. I would have typecast you straight away. <laughs> but I, had to walk, I walked around this entire, entire giant furniture store. And stayed so, up at the clock, and five minutes had gone by, and I thought, <laughs> a six-hour shift of hell. <laughs> Journalism seemed like a much more attractive uh, proposition. <laughs> the editor of Business Times, Rob Rose.